0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this episode of Saucy Football Breakdown. I'm your host Michael. Today I want to talk about Chelsea's new striker signing, Nicholas Jackson. Is he a risky bet or is he a promising talent? Unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball for this episode, so time will be the ultimate decision maker here. But I'm going to jump right into it. So Chelsea Football Club has had a A big history with sign when it comes to signing strikers that either become legendary figures at the club or they're just these drastic disappointments. I really don't think that there is much of an in between there. Now, the latest addition to Chelsea's squad is a young man named Nicholas Jackson. He is a 35 million euro acquisition from Villarreal however though with limited playing time and a short very small burst of top top performance at the end of last season there are questions surrounding his potential uh, which I mean that's obvious there should be some questions So today in this episode, I'm really just going to break down the key points, arguments, and implications of Chelsea's signing of Mr. Nicholas Jackson. So one of the key points is he's got a very limited track record. Before the last season, Nicholas Jackson had played only a little over 100 senior minutes for Villarreal. While he showed some promise during that time, it's really just too small of a sample size to judge his abilities with any level of accuracy. Key point number two, he is an impressive finisher, which is something that Chelsea has lacked tremendously. And no, it was glaring last season. During his noticeable or notable eight-game streak where he just freaking balled Jackson showcased clinical finishing skills scoring nine goals from just 12 shots on target his ability to find high value positions in the penalty area and convert chances was out of this world again that ability is something that Chelsea FC has been missing tremendously tremendously The next key point is his dynamic movement. Jackson's late season success can be attributed to his role as the central striker in Villarreal's attack. With his speed and direct running, he stretched defenses and created dangerous opportunities for himself and his teammates. That is something, again, that Chelsea absolutely needs. It needs somebody with real speed up front, and direct running. He's not taking any extra angles to get to go. He's going straight to goal, and that's what they need. The next key point is his effective dribbling. Jackson's dribbling skills and ability to take on defenders was very noteworthy. He has what a lot of people have been calling a Neymar-like Ability to take people on the dribble. He recorded the second highest number of goal contribution contributions following dribbles in La Liga when that and that demonstrates his comfort with the ball at his feet. Now let's dive into that point a little deeper. The fact that he only really had an eight-game stretch where he balled out of his mind. And he was second in La Liga with goal contributions following dribbles. That tells you that he was really good at it. Again, that's something that is going to need, especially with Havertz leaving. I feel like this is something that Havertz was actually really good at. And then the last key point here that I want to bring up here is he has room for improvement. While Jackson has showed promise in finishing, movement and dribbling, his aerial game needs improvement like big time. He struggled in aerial duels and lacked accuracy when attempting headers. And that is a weakness that opposing defenders could exploit. And there's no doubt about it. Like Havertz being 6'2 and having some aerial presence while again, it wasn't elite by any stretch, 6'2 is 6'2 and I believe Jackson's coming in at 5'11 or 6 feet even and that's actually not good that he's not good in the air with that amount of athleticism and height I know he's not 6'4 but he should be able to be a little better at winning some battles in the air and that can improve over time that's something that he can work on for sure going forward now, I want to talk about some of these implications for Chelsea and what that means, and then create some of debate around it as well. So with Chelsea's involvement, Nicholas, they decided to sign Nicholas Jackson, and that indicates their confidence in his potential. They looked at that eight-game stretch, and they said, let's just do it. Let's just make it happen. However, the lack of substantial data and scouting material raises a very big and real question of whether or not this is a risky bet or a calculated investment. And Chelsea better than anybody. they get you in for a season. They all look like they can get done out of you. They're going to send you out on loan. So they signed him, I think, to an eight-year deal. So keep that in mind as well. Now, again, we also have to deal with Jackson's limited experience and what that means as far as integrating into the Premier League. Like La Liga, Premier League, there's a definite noticeable difference in competition. Given Jackson's limited experience and the intensity of the Premier League, it remains to be seen how quickly he can adapt and consistently make an impact. Obviously, that's something we don't know how well he's going to be able to do until he starts to do it. So that is just a factor that we'll just have to wait to debate later on. Will he be able to handle the pressure and deliver from day one? Hopefully. That's what Chelsea's counting on. But if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world as well. Now, he's also going to have some competition for playing time with the return of Armando Broya from an injury I think he towards ACL and the possibility of Chelsea also even going out this transfer window and getting another striker like a Victor Ozeman, like bringing Lukaku back which is yet to be seen as well how many minutes is this guy going to reasonably get if he is a raw prospect I believe he's a little bit more developed than David Datro Fofana In the case of how raw he is, but only time will tell. Only the situation will tell. We can't do that much predicting going forward without seeing it in real time. Now, let's bring this back home. What is Chelsea's strategic plan in regards to this signing? There is uncertainty surrounding Chelsea's plan and the potential need for additional signings. This signing of Nicholas Jackson does reflect strategy, in my opinion, but this isn't, this isn't the end of their needs at that position. They're still going to need to go out and get another striker, a more established striker, as long as the price is right. And they already have one in their club with Lukaku. They just need to convince him to buy, in my opinion. So I want to just bring up here a couple of more discussion points. What is the importance of a track record? How significant is a player's previous track record when you're looking at the potential and value in a transfer? In my opinion... I believe that track record has some significance, but it can't be the end-all be-all as long as everything is trending in a positive direction. Also, if things were trending in a negative direction, but you had all this data to indicate that things should be going positive, that's also something that is data. It's significant data that you need to take into account. Then you also have to consider the role of scouting. How can clubs make informed decisions when signing players with limited data and scouting material? That's what you pay the scouts to do. You pay them to go out and find that next guy. Very rarely, though, do you are you able to find that next guy, bring him into a club as big as Chelsea, and then he rises to the occasion. I'm not saying it does happen. And when it does happen, it's great. I.E. Eden Hazard, the guy becomes a legend. But on the other end, there are so many instances of a guy who was trending upward until he got to Chelsea and then things didn't work out for him. But then you also have to consider his adaptation to this new league. What factors contribute to a player's successful adaptation to a new league? And how important is mentality in this process? Personally, I believe this is pretty simple. As long as dude is a competitor... As long as he can put his head down and just compete, Mr. Jackson is going to be just fine adapting to the Premier League if he is a competitor, if he's willing to put in the work, because they gave him an eight-year deal. So they didn't give him all that cash up front. They gave him a, a sizable payball, but they spread it out. So if he's going to want to compete for more money, in the, he's going to have to perform. And I think he'll do just that as long as his mentality is that of a competitor. You give him a contract, though, for eight years, you do set the stage for some contentment. And I really don't love that idea. But then you also have to balance the investment and the risk. How can clubs strike a balance between investing and in promising young talents and minimizing the risks associated with these young talent strikes, strikers. Excuse me. I don't know how you can minimize the risk. If you're gonna go get the player, you just need to set them up for every level of success. The way I guess you can minimize that risk is to ensure that you've done everything you care to make sure they're comfortable and they've given every reason, opportunity, and resource that they need to succeed. And then everything else from there is what was always going to happen. Finally, what effect does healthy competition for playing time have on the development and performance of young players? At Chelsea, that is the culture. It's young dudes coming in and competing, or at least that's always been the culture that Clear Lake has laid out. They have decided that they wanted this to be a team full of really young dudes on six, seven, eight, nine, ten year deals competing for big roles at the club. So only time will tell there again, I don't have a crystal ball. Now what are these implications in daily life? Today I have primarily focused on football and a specific player signing. I believe my point offers broader insights that are applicable to your everyday life. One of these endpoints, these points that I'm trying to make is embracing potential. And I want to remind you that the importance of recognizing potential in yourselves and others is super crucial, even when limited evidence is available. It's what you ask a potential employer to do for you when you go to a job interview, you lay out all of your statistics and you still claim that you have all this potential. It's the same exact thing that you ask an employer to do. And frankly, it's the same thing you do if you are in a hiring position at an employer. And then you also need to think about risk and reward. Hopefully today I've highlighted the balance between taking some risk and ensuring that you are rewarded appropriately for those risks again higher risk higher reward lower risk lower reward so with that I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of Saucy Football Breakdown if you've been enjoying the show I would really like to invite you to leave me a review for the show it just takes one minute out of your day and it helps me tremendously just click the link in the show notes to find my profile on Todd Chaser. I'll even give you a shout out if you leave a review. So go ahead, click that link to join the conversation and become an active part of the Saucy Football Breakdown community. And I tremendously appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Peace.